Empire. This was a long time ago, but in those old rudimentary games like Tecmo Bowl, you could pick one of four plays. What if Tecmo was real life? Every package of three plays that the coaches send out, there's one that they really want everyone to vote. So when that play comes back, when the plays come back to the, to the digital iPad, the coaches hit a button to say, this is my coach pick, and I'm going to reward you, fan. That's Julie Maringer, president of Your Call Football. They are revolutionizing play calling by letting the fans be the offensive coordinators. The future is now. Maringer has some help from a couple of ex-footballers, Merrill Hodge and Solomon Wilcott, as they try to turn football into a fan-friendly user experience, literally. We'll get into that in a bit. Plus, Bryce Harper has got the eye of the tiger thanks to some modern contact lenses. But first, it's a trip into a tech giant who is still figuring out how to revolutionize sports content consumption. Here is the good news for ESPN, Fox, and the Turners of the world. Apple, unlike other streaming giants, do not want to get into the business of live rights. Here's the bad news. They think the way it is structured now is bad business, and that ought to make the linear giants sweat. Apple is getting out of the way when it comes to trying to acquire NFL or NBA rights for now, but they aren't out of the sports content business. Premium video and streaming is coming with deals, like one with Warriors star Kevin Durant's production company. But they are not going to dive into the deep end with any leagues for live games. That doesn't mean that Apple isn't into the disruption business. Jacob Feldman got into what Apple calls the sports ballroom, and he's here now. What is the sports ballroom? Sure, so it's a conference room on Apple Cupertino campus. It's you know, it's a normal-sized conference room. It's stuffed with about 12 different people, and their job there is to watch every single sporting event you can imagine. It's you know, it's, it's, a, it's a whole sports bar stuffed into a conference room. It's got TVs and, and monitors and laptops. And what they're doing there is, is they're offering uh, you know a, a page within their TV app on the Apple TV or on your phone, and it's going to show you what's on now, give you some scores, and then also if you're not in the app, they'll push you a notification when when the teams you've selected are, are starting a game or in a close game or if there's just an exciting moment in a sport that you might be interested in. So what is their theory about live rights? Because I read your piece in SI, and they're saying they're not even, they're barely talking about the idea of jumping into that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, their theory is that everyone's already doing it. You know, uh, Eddie Q there, who, who, who runs this division, is one of Tim Cook's many lieutenants. His, you know, his philosophy, as he explains it, is that everything is available now, you know, if there were things that weren't available, that maybe Apple would be interested in, in making them available. But because there's so much to watch, they don't want to add another option. They want to be the middleman to all those different options. To be sort of, you know, a kind of modern TV guy and say, okay, you love, let's say, um, Michigan football, but they could be on six different channels over the course of the year. And so let's let us help you find them week to week and and, and let you know when they're worth watching. How would the Michigan fan? not know where their team is playing. Is that, is that that big of a problem? Yeah, maybe it's a bad example. Let's become a basketball fan, right? You can have games on CBS Sports Network. You can have games on uh, 11 Sports. You can have games on Facebook. You can have games on ESPN. You can have games 
on Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2, Fox Sports. You could have games uh, on NBCSN. You could have games on ESPN College Sports Extra. You could have games, I mean, there's, there's you know, probably 20, 25 channels. Uh, clearly, though, Apple has a goal here. They, they wouldn't do this without some kind of goal. What is your sense of, of what they're trying to accomplish in the sports content space? Yeah, it, it's multifaceted. I think the most obvious example is that if, say, you open, um, you know, the, the, the sports uh, app of your choice and, and there's a game you want to watch, um, but it's behind a paywall, whether that's ESPN Plus or whether that's, a, you know, a, a, a cable subscription like PlayStation View or YouTube TV, um, you can buy those on your iPhone, but you'll uh, Apple will take a uh, 30% cut or 15% cut, depending on the deal they've struck. So they'll, they'll, get, they'll take a percentage. Um, so they're happy to sell you those other people's subscriptions, and in the long run, that's good business for them. So that's one. Two is I think that they want you to watch more sports on your phone. They want you to be to, to, to think of this device in your pocket as another screen that you can watch sports on in, in the grocery store, at work, at the mall. And, and the more you're watching sports on your phone, the better phone you're going to want. You know, they want to give you the big new screen. They want to give you the big new battery, the fast processor, all that stuff that, that Apple likes to pitch. Uh, and, and, and the more that you use your phone, they believe, the, the better phone you'll want. So if they're not the ones that are going to go after the NFL rights or the NBA rights, mm-hmm. who is it? Facebook? Who's your guess right now? Yeah, it's, it's a fascinating question. I think for me, the most the best way to think about this is, is to look back in time and and the way that sports rights have expanded and the way they've gotten more expensive over time has been new entrants in the market. You know, going back 25 years ago, it was Fox coming online and that pushing the NFL rights astronomically. It was DirecTV launching and saying, oh, we need Sunday tickets to start getting people. We're, we're going to spend it now. It's up to, you know, billion more uh, on that. So I think you have to look at, at the new entrants into the space. And, uh, so that, you know, maybe it's maybe it's Facebook, maybe it's Amazon a little bit. Amazon has been the most aggressive out of the Google, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix uh, contingent. Amazon has been uh, the most interested with, with, with Thursday Night Football and elsewhere. But to me, it, it's going to be somebody new. We've got you know these new companies like the Zone, D A Z N, that's kind of coming on and, and, and messing around a little bit with boxing rights. But I would expect you know whether it's a massive company like Turner saying, okay, we're going to we're going to move into digital with, with Bleacher Report and we need to make a big splash. Or whether it's a company we've never heard of, let's spend a billion dollars on soccer rights and make it an unbelievable experience and get people to come. So I, I, I would expect that when it comes to live rights, it's going to be somebody new and, and that these big companies at the moment are going to be kind of augmenting the experience more than owning it. Yeah, that's the most frightening part for the networks. They don't know who their competition <laughs> is at this point. Uh, you Absolutely. can read more of Jacob Feldman's work at SI.com. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you. Up next, Julie Merringer from York Hall Football on the idea of giving you the play sheet. This is the Future Sport Podcast. Our guest this week is Julie Merringer, who is the president of Your Call Football, which lets you, me, us control the offensive playbook. Hey, Julie, how are you? Um, great, thanks. Um, in essence, what does your call football do? In essence, your call football has taken Madden football and applied it to a live football game. Simply put, Madden football in real life. And so take us through how that literally works. I'm sitting there in front of my television and I'm able to call plays? Exactly, exactly. So... How it works is we patented the entire process of how play calling works in a live game. 
So the first thing we've done is we have digitized the coaches' call sheets. So, you know, you're watching a live game today. You see an NFL coach with their, you know, their call sheet laminated up against their mouth so no one can hear what they're talking about. We've taken that call sheet and we've digitized it into an iPad. What we've also done with that call sheet is that we've had our YCF coaches package up three best plays per situation. So if it's first and 10, they're going to package up three of their best plays because those are what we call bundles. And during every situation, the coaches have a bundle, a package of their three best plays. The whistle gets uh, blown, the ball spotted by the ref. It's first and 10 on the 30. And Merrill Hodge, who was one of our coaches this past year, he says, okay, I want bundle A5 because it has the three plays that I want for this situation. He touches it on his iPad. It goes up to Amazon, comes down to you and I on our phone. We have 10 seconds to say, okay, given the personnel he has and where they are situationally, I'm going to go with uh, draw right. So that's, I'm going to pick that play. Everyone has 10 seconds no matter where you are. goes back up to Amazon, comes back to the digital iPad. And Hodge says, Coach Hodge is like, okay, the fans want draw right. He QB communications that to the quarterback. They break the huddle, they go to the line of scrimmage, they snap the ball, they run the fan majority play. Huh. You can't call the so defense. You can't call the defensive play, right? That's as simple as it goes. Yeah. You cannot call defensive plays. We tested that, Bram, actually, early on, and our fans were like, eh, it's kind of boring. Not a lot of options. So we let fans call all offensive calls. Both teams. Because at the end of the day, your call football is about the fan and the fan mentality that, you know, the next generation of fans, they're all gamers. They want to rock up as much points as they can. They want to see how good they are calling plays. They want to see good football, but at the end of the day, they want to call the plays. Well, I think what because you're learning here, that, there's an age-old adage that still applies here. Everybody wants to be Tom Brady, but nobody wants to be the linebacker. Right, right, right. <laughs> Absolutely. And you have the, the second leg of our, of our technology, if you will, or the benefit is, so that cycle that I just explained to you, you know, that happens in every football game. We're just giving fans the opportunity to pick a coach play that they want to see run. So it's a quality play. Once the play is run on the field, we've now integrated the best of fantasy and gaming into our technology. Yeah. Because during the games, you and I can set up a head-to-head to see who's a better play caller. Or we could set up a league with a bunch of our fans, our friends. So the, the play gets run on the field. And let's say you and I voted with the – you voted with the majority, I didn't. You vote with the majority, they gain seven yards. We're going to score you in real time. Our technology, we have a scoring algorithm, and we're giving you points, just like in fantasy, in real time. And we're updating where you are in the leaderboard with everybody else, in your head-to-heads, or in your league. Let's say I didn't. I, vo- I didn't vote with the majority. I want the defense to stuff them. So I'm going to uh, – if the defense does stuff them, you're not going to get points because the play isn't executed well. I'm going to get rewarded. We're going to give anyone who didn't vote with the majority and the defense stuffs them, we're going to give you against the grain points. So you can rack up points if the play does well and you voted with the majority. You can rack up points if the play doesn't do well and you didn't vote with the majority. And the third way you can rack up points is 
every package of three plays that the coaches send out, there's one that they really want everyone to vote. So when that play comes back, when the plays come back to the, to the digital iPad, the coaches hit a button to say, this is my coach pick. And I'm going to reward you, fan. If you're thinking like me, you followed me, you know how I work, I'm going to give you points regardless if the play does good or bad. So three ways to rack up points. Majority, you vote with the majority, does well in the field. You don't vote with the majority, the defense stuffs them. You thought like a coach, you got the coach bonus. I, I can't imagine if you go to Sean McVay that he's into this idea, that, that he wants to give up his playbook and allow everybody to access it and see it and, and help him do his job. Well, at the end of the day, we're doing this right now in our own league to really showcase the future of technology, fans, and live events, right? And, you know, we're not in a major, uh, you know, established league, if you will, because they're set in their ways, right? They yeah. have how they do things and, and how they want to operate. I mean, they're, you but, know, there's so much subterfuge, you know, they're... They're covering their mouths, and no one knows exactly what is on those play sheets that's fake or real. And in colleges, they're holding up weird signs and playing weird noises and doing all these things to try to fool the other team into believing that they're calling whatever they're calling. And the idea to me that they would then say, okay, Julie, here's our playbook. Uh, it sounds like you've got a lot of convincing to do with people like that. Yeah, well, our business model is not to go into NCAA football or uh, NFL established. Our business model is to license the technology to college spring games or the Pro Bowl that yeah. is about, like, fan engagement. How do you get fans more involved? Because we believe this is the future of sports. It may be five years away. It's not eminent. But if you're an established sports property right now, like a football, right, the next generation fan is not going to the games. The next generation fan is playing esports and they're spending their money on like subscriptions to Netflix. Right? They want content and they want entertainment the way they want to digest it, not the way a live sporting event is like come to our games, spend a couple hundred bucks, sit back and you know and 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 scream, but you can't impact anything. So that's where we kind of say, you're absolutely right. No way this is happening right now. But down the line, think of the next generation fan. They're not, they're, they, they are not going to those games right now. And that's where if live sports properties want to embrace the future and the technology, they have to start thinking about what is the next generation doing with technology. They're live streaming. They're cord cutters. They don't have a subscription to cable. They want to watch a sporting event. They go to a bar. And they're playing eSports. Yeah. So that's kind of where we kind of see the future. You buying that? Yeah, completely. Like 100%. I mean, you see attendance going down already. I mean, that's already happening. And the, yeah. price, the price of admission is something that the leagues are going to have to deal with as well. But I, I'm listening to you, and I'm going, if I'm a team, you know, I don't know that this happens in the NFL, to your point, and to, to just – how competitive they are and how secretive they are about their proprietary information, which is their playbooks. But the idea of the inducement of if you show up to the game and you will have access to being part of the play calling, that feels like something that would be unique to the experience of attending as opposed to being watching it on television. And remember, it doesn't have to be all the plays, right? I mean, because the biggest 
hurdle or barrier to entry for your call technology is delay, latency. Right. So if you if you're at the if you're at a if you're at the Rams game and I'm sitting at home watching it on TV, if I'm on basic cable like Verizon or uh, Xfinity, I'm a easily like 17 to 23, 25 seconds behind you. Right. So the way this works in live sports right now, and that's why it wouldn't have to be everything, is it would be during commercial TV timeout, right? An injury timeout where, you know, you you could give fans the opportunity probably two dozen times in a, in a two to three hour live sporting event, the opportunity to impact a game. So I, I wonder, because we have two new football leagues here, professional football leagues. One has already started, and the XFL yeah. is coming. I'm going to talk to you about the XFL because you're working directly with them, but I'll, but I'll talk about them in, in a moment because they haven't started yet. Is your idea that a league could, if they were more open to technologies like this, literally compete with the NFL? I don't think there is a matter of competing with the NFL because they're not going head to head in the same time frame. You know, they're spring versus fall. I think if these new leagues want to embrace quality football, but also the next generation tech savvy fan, that they have to embrace a technology like ours. Hmm. How did this idea come to be? So this idea is a long time in the making. Um, George Colony is the CEO and chairman of Forrester Research, uh, FORR, on the NASDAQ. It's a high-tech research company here in Cambridge, Mass. And he wrote a two-page memo with the title, Fans Call the Plays, over almost 20 years ago, early <laughs> 2000s. Yeah. And he kind of stuffed it in his desk drawer. And six years ago, I used to work for him, and six years ago, I had uh, – I was – spending time with my family and, and rode off into the sunset. And he called me up and said, Hey, I have this idea. And he said, I'll give you six months, short amount of money. Can you tell me if it's possible? Has anyone done it? Could it be patentable? Could it work? And six years later, we have four patents. We've run two successful series to showcase our tech and how, um, how innovative it is and how it engages fans. And it's been fantastic. It's funny, I'm, I'm old enough, you know, the video games I played are so rudimentary compared to what they are now, but I played Tecmo Bowl, and they only had four plays, yeah. and that's what you got to choose from was f- four plays, and I'm like listening to this going, I'm having some kind of deja vu flashback to when I was calling plays right. in a football game, and that's all they allowed me to do. So our last series we just finished up, we pretty much got in a two-hour, so we do 12-minute quarters, pretty much all our NFL rules. Uh, we don't do kickoffs, uh, no blitzing, but we do 12-minute quarters. Uh, we, we get our games in within two hours, which is kind of the, you know, the appetite for uh, speed in, in, the, in the, the audience for how long they want to sit and watch something. And we get off close to nine, almost 95 to 100 offensive plays during that time. So it's engaging and fast-moving for, like, the right fan who wants that. It's not four. You get you get to vote on like ninety five to one hundred, so it's a lot more fun. Um, tell me a little bit about what you guys are doing with the XFL, who are set to kick off. What is it next season? Twenty twenty or twenty twenty one? Twenty twenty. So we what we did with the XFL is you know Oliver has a um, you know his 
his vision with Vince is to reimagine the game, um, and Vince wants to put a quality product on the field. And he has learned from, you know, what he's done in the past and what he sees out there. And so really our partnership was not technical at all. It was all about using our quality players. We have really good quality football players to help with some rule changes to – uh, they want to keep the game fast as well. They want to think about how it can be safe and fast and engaging without it being, um, you know, with no no gimmicks. Like, they're, they're not into any of that. So they really, our partnership was about coming down, looking at our football players, utilizing our football players and practices, and then also watching our live games to see how the technology works and how seamless it is. So really the premise uh, was to use our players to really to do rule testing and then see how a quality football with tech can be integrated well. You know, what's interesting with them, to your point about how our teams and leagues going to bring people back and attend the games, I am very interested to see presentation because nobody does presentation of live events better than the WWE has. And this will be interesting in round two of the XFL, how they handle something like that. Right. And, you know, as you witnessed with the AAF, I mean, you know, good for them. They're getting good TV viewership. That's really hard hard to do with a new product and a new brand in the middle of March Madness and everything else. But, you know, people aren't showing up at those big stadiums. Um, that's a tough business model still to crack for anybody. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, you know, how the AAF tries to figure that out or anybody. That, that's really the, the issue. Um, this does feel like there are some sports gambling and fantasy opportunities with, with what you're building. Are you guys heading in that direction at all? We uh, absolutely. Uh, we don't have any built. We have the feature function ability. It's just not uh, turned on, so to speak. Um, you know, and, and everybody it's, you know, what's the next greatest thing? It's, it's gambling. You know, we definitely draw a distinction between gaming and wagering a la, you know, like a FanDuel or DraftKings versus pure outright gambling and needing like a, a book and needing a house to, to do it like you do in New Jersey and Nevada right now. Um, so that will be further for us right now. We definitely, um, there's enough opportunity in the gaming and wagering space that um, is already defined versus the other space. Even though each state will be able to do their own thing, there's still a lot of you know, legislation, legal yeah. issues that have to get unearthed. Um, you had mentioned Merrill Hodges, my ex-colleague at ESPN. Solomon Wilcox, I believe, is working with you guys as well. What Great are, men. Yeah, what are they bringing to your team? So, I mean, first of all, they're just bringing great leadership. I mean, both of them, even though they have not been head coaches, their ability to assemble – you know, Mike Sherman was our original head coach with Merrill, and he assembled a great uh, crew of kind of uh, NFL coaches who have already, you know, been there, done that, but just have so much more to give to young men. And uh, most of them came back. Merrill and Solomon brought another crop of co- coaches with them. And just their leadership and ability to, you know, these, these young men just want another shot. They want more film. They love this game. And and, you know, Solomon and Merrill are just, you know, they're, uh, they're young men at heart too, right? They still love the game and their ability to uh, coach it and shape these 
young men, I mean, they just looked at it as a great opportunity, and they did not disappoint. What's your background? Solomon in particular. Yeah. I told him that man, should he should be coaching. <laughs> well, he's had a nice, long broadcasting career, and I think if you, if you watch what happens in the industry, when you are, it's not as easy as it looks. There are very famous people that tried to get into, I don't know, Monday Night Football this past year, and it, it's right. not as easy as it looks. And he's had a he's terrific at it. So I'm never pushing yeah. him to do anything else. He's very, very good at it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. The Brits love him, I hear, over in London. Yeah, they do. Um, what's your background? So I spent 19 years, almost 20 years at Forrester Research, uh, which is the tech research company. So I pretty much uh, am an a analyst, a business analyst, technology analyst at heart. Never programmed a thing in my life, so... Not a coder, but um, know enough to be dangerous. And you just love football? This That's what drew you to this? I, well, I do now. I'll tell you, that. Um, <laughs> so, right. you know what it is, Graham? I tell people this. I know it sounds hokey, but I say it all the time. I, I say the world needs dreamers and doers, and George is a dreamer. Like, he had this idea. He had the idea for his company, Forrester Research, 30-plus years ago. Like, he's an idea person. And I'm a doer. I love figuring out how things can work. So when he presented this to me, I, I went home. My husband is a is a, a middle school principal, coaches a lot of sports, huge football fanatic. He's like, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. And I go, well, yeah. no one thought you were going to like listen to music on your phone and download it to your phone. And here we are. So that's kind of how, you know, I was like just intrigued by trying to figure out how it worked. And I immediately tapped my network um you know i had a college friend who spent her career in the sports marketing digital marketing world she did the nfl deals for staples so between the two of us she had all the kind of sports and marketing connections i had all the tech and business and we we built a great team that made this thing work flawlessly it sounds like the ultimate win for you is you get to tell your husband he's wrong that is such a huge win well you know and listen we know that that's there's a lot of mileage in that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's nothing more yeah, valuable than that. Because all I want to do is watch watch football. So he's happy about that too. I mean, come on, how, it's not living in Massachusetts. It's not hard to watch football these days. It's not a hard. That's not a big ask. No, no, not a big ask. Yeah, we're very, very spoiled. That that is for sure, hundred percent. Julie Marriger is the president of Your Call Football. Thanks for joining us, Julie. Thanks a million. I appreciate it. an interesting question. If the Nationals only knew that Bryce Harper needed a trip to the optometrist of the future to reach his true potential, would they have then matched what the Phillies gave him this past offseason? A little tech can go a long way to prove an investment is wise. And it's early, but what is clear is Bryce is seeing the ball. Tom Shad from USA Today joins us now. Hey, Tom, how are you? Hey, not bad, man. What's going on? He's wearing new contact lenses. What are they? So it's it's kind of an interesting new technology. Um, you know, they have these transition glasses, uh, and they've had those for a while that, you know, change and kind of darken when they're exposed to sunlight. Um, and they've basically invented that, but for contact lenses. Um, and so Bryce Harper has kind of done this, this partnership with the company that makes them, and uh been wearing them through spring training and, and so far into the season and he says it's making a difference um, you know it's it's kind of difficult to tell exactly if that's 
been what's been you know contributing to his start here. But um, you know, he said that they've been helping, and uh, you know, they help with natural light during the day, but then also kind of dealing with uh, with stadium lights and stuff at night. So uh, it's kind of an interesting little uh, interesting little product there. Was his eyesight an actual issue in the previous year? No, I, I don't think his eyesight has been an issue. I mean, he's had issues off and on with with contacts. I mean, there was an instance. Um, last season where he actually took an at-bat just in regular old glasses because he couldn't get his contacts in. Um, you know, the real issue was when he first joined the Nationals um, in, I guess it was 2010, 2011, he went and saw their team optometrist. You know, he said that he had seen, you know, an optometrist at the mall and stuff before and had been fitted with contacts. But when he saw the team optometrist, they said, you know, holy cow, you are basically blind. Um, and he said that was where there was a big difference getting fitted with contacts there. Um, but more recently, I think it's just a matter of comfort um, and then obviously just the new technology adding in uh, this year. So explain a little bit more. Are, do these kind of turn into contact lens sunglasses? Like how do they work? So they're, they're not quite sunglasses and he said that he's still, you know, he's still wearing sunglasses like he normally would. Um, basically it's just like a little bit more added, uh, added protection, I guess. And it's um, supposed to just help you, your eye kind of adjust to light a little bit better. So um, you know, you still need to wear sunglasses, but you just might squint a little bit less, I guess. And you'll be able to pick up things a little bit, um, a little bit better, you know, on, under bright lights. Um, and it happens relatively quickly. So, you know, you transition, the, the lenses will transition if you go outside, you know, basically in about a minute is what, what um, Bryce said. Um, and so there is kind of a physical effect where, you know, he has blue eyes and his eyes will turn kind of, um, brown or gray, he said, which is kind of, he, he described it as trippy. Um, and so there's a physical effect there, um, but in terms of, you know, a replacement for sunglasses, it's not quite that. It's just kind of a little extra added protection, a little extra added clarity there uh, under the light. Listen, guys like that can, can get all of the latest technology. Uh, do you get the sense that something like that is going to replace the contact shelf at CVS or Walgreens? I, I don't I don't know. Um, I mean, this this is kind of like pioneering technology. You know, and this is the only kind of brand that had tried to do this. So I don't know if it's going to take over necessarily. Um, you know, I think if you're if you're Bryce Harper, you know, um, and you want to get he he said you know look in every aspect of what I do, you know, I want to get the best stuff. Obviously, you know, he has three hundred and thirty million dollars, so he can afford to kind of explore things like this and and you know make use of the best possible technology. I don't know if Joe Schmo on the street, you know, is going to be going to be snapping these up anytime soon, but um, they are available. I think April 1st, I think was the day that, that you could buy them. So um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see how that, how that pans out. If nothing else, it's another Philly special. Tom Shad from USA Today. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Brian. That'll do it for us this week. Remember the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast, a production by Empire Media. I'm Bram Weinstein.